Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous! Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Yo, what's good? It's Black Trey, and I got a show called Growing Up the Same with Jason Madison, where we talk to guests about their childhood memories that I'm sure everyone can relate to. You even get some life advice at the end. Our show has featured guests like Dom Kennedy, JJ Reddick, Aaron Davis, Brian Koppelman, Bomani Jones, Mina Kimes, and many more. Be sure to check us out on the Black Opinions Matter feed under the Count the Deans Network. Oh yeah, and don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe, rate, and review. And also subscribe, rate, and review to the separate Growing Up the Same feed. That they have access to influential members of Congress who then take these conversations that they have with corporate lobbyists and then try to package them as bipartisan or objective is, it's shameful. You know, it's shameful. And I think that it brings a lot of shame to our work as public servants. Um, what is also, I think, particularly explosive about this is that a lot of people believe and already have an idea that there is this dark underbelly. There is an understanding that there is a dark underbelly of Washington that works this way. Rarely do we see it exposed in real time of current legislation right before us in Congress. We usually discover all of this years afterwards. And to see it admitted to right now, as there is a, a, a reconciliation bill and a bipartisan infrastructure bill before the House that deeply undersells on climate and deeply fails uh, in meeting the scale of the crisis, and to know that this isn't just about people trying to strike a deal, but that there is direct access that ExxonMobil is is bragging about to potential clients and their ability to do this is, um, I think it's, 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 it, it's explosive and it says everything right there. Um, and uh, This idea that he has weekly check-ins with Senator Manchin, I mean, how does that make you feel? That is the problem, is that people don't think that their elected officials serve them first and answer to them first. There is a widespread crisis of confidence and crisis of faith in our institutions because they think that's, that the majority of elected officials answer to corporate lobbyists first and their constituents second. And that is not a democracy. That, that is, call it whatever you want. It's aristocracy, oligopoly, it's, it's, uh, it's all of these things. 
ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wosni Lambre. <laughs> Joined, as always, by my partner on the west side, my brother, man, Fernando Villa. <laughs> I'm glad I got, like, uh, uh, you know, because it's been a while since you did the French pronunciation of Wosni Lambre. Um, of course. Now I got a now I got a full Spanish pronunciation of of my of name course. plus my full name. Spoiler alert: my name is Fernando. That's my yes, name. that's his full name. We getting real ethnic today, y'all. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I want to just shout out everybody who supports us. Make sure you go on Patreon.com backslash Calcutta Dings. We we need all the support. Um, on today's show, we're gonna get into. The Rachel Nichols situation, Maria Taylor, New York Times, crazy expose, back scene, backstab, gossip, all of that. Is Rachel Nichols woke enough? All of that. Mm. We want to, I just want to get into that very briefly because as we talk about over here all the time, it's import, important to have ideological coherence. And I think this Rachel Nichols situation illustrates why it's important to maintain that coherence, no matter what. But first, man, this is, to me, is the biggest news of politics today. Uh, This is a bombshell. This is on the level of anything that's come out. It's bigger than Russiagate. (laughs) It's bigger than January 6th. (laughs) It's bigger than everything. It's bigger than everything because... It lays bare exactly the lay of the land, the rules of the game, the rules of engagement. How the West was won, Nando. I'm 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 running out of cliches, but I yeah. think you guys understand. Um, shouts to Channel you know, Four. How News they make Four, the sausage? How, how the, they sausage make the sausage gets made? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shouts to News Four in in London, cause they did this. Uh, it's a bombshell. Basically, they got an ExxonMobil lobbyist under the pretenses that he's looking for a new job in lobbying, I guess, to basically spill the beans on how policy gets made here in America, how they get made, why it gets made the way that it does. And essentially, Nando, what he explained to the dude who he thought was interviewing him for a job was like, as people in the energy sector, we make the weather on energy policy, point blank, yeah. period. And the reason why we do it is to ensure to maximize profits for our shareholders. Done. That's it. That's yep. there's nothing else comes into play. Not the public good, not the actual facts or the science. In fact, we do what we can to propagandize people against the real science. And it's in service of one thing. To maximize profits, we put money in the pockets of politicians. They make sure we get money on the other end. That's it. It comes at the cost of the interests of the American voter, the fucking well-being of the planet. You name it. Nothing comes before corporate profiteering. Period. 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 And these politicians who are allegedly, ostensibly uh, public servants, they don't give a fuck. They don't care. They're self-interested. They have no backbone. All they do is follow the oligarchy, the corporate class, the will of the few versus the will of the many, the will of the people at every fucking turn. This guy literally lays it bare, Nando. Yeah, this was a, a sting operation that was done by Greenpeace, uh, you know, the the old uh, uh, venerable environmental organization. They've been planning this um, where they set up a fake uh, headhunter uh, company uh, and they posed as headhunters and they reached out to this guy who was the lobbyist at Exxon. And I think it's fascinating. I mean, it's not like it's not we didn't learn anything this is not new. new information. Was. No, it's not new information. This is just kind of we know this happens. It's just it's just like kind of shocking to just see it as nakedly you know, as possible. You know what it's like, like? I was just like, you know what it's like, Nando? It's like, uh, I've, you ever watched that, that old HBO documentary? It's called like Iceman or Hitman. It's like about a mob hitman. And he like no. plainly and matter of factly walks you through the job of murdering people for hire. 
right? Like right. we already knew you did it, right? Like right. you're in jail for it or you're in witness protection. Like we know the facts of it already. Yeah. But to hear the people, the person who carries it out and perpetuates it actually say it in chilling detail and just nonchalantly, that's a whole other ball game. Yeah, I think what struck me about it is just like how casual he was and just how matter of fact he was like, oh, yeah, you know, we basically we control these lawmakers. We tell them what legislation to write. We tell them when to introduce a bill. We tell them blah, 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 blah. And we do it all to maximize our, our investors um, shares, the shareholder value. Um, and again, it's 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 the kind of thing that we know happens and we know goes on, but we off, we don't often get uh, such a clear window into it. I think it's worth playing a clip uh, from the Sting operation. Uh, Producer Sean, if you can play uh, clip one so we could react to it. To claim that ExxonMobil has aggressively fought climate science using front organizations to maximize shareholder profit. Did we aggressively fight yeah. against um, uh, some of the science, yeah. uh, yes. Did we join some of these shadow groups yeah. uh, to work against uh, some of the early efforts? Yes, that's yeah. true. Um, but there's nothing, there's nothing illegal about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were looking out for our investments. We mm. were looking out for our, our, in, uh, uh, our shareholders. It's perfect. There it is. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. This, this, we didn't no break any laws. He said, of course, we combated the science. And I, I like, I know out in the public discourse, science is like debated. But in this context, he's not debating the concept of science and like research and study. And he's not debating it. He's saying, no, there's science. There's facts out there. And our job is to undermine it. That's it. Not yeah. <laughs> to come up with counterfactuals that might make our case more suitable. No, no, no. We don't have those. So what we do is we undermine the only actual science that exists on the subject matter. Not that we present competing facts. No, because those yeah. don't exist as it pertains to the climate crisis. We're just going to undermine the public's ability to appreciate it or believe it. Like, we're just going to get the public to be like, well, is it facts? That's it. That's the game. And the thing is, like, it's not about whether this guy is a bad person or evil or not. Like, he he most certainly is evil and a bad person. Um, but if he, like, tripped over and died tomorrow, he'd be replaced by some other guy who was just as evil or bad. The system is one in which a, if a good person got into that position, like if a good moral person got into be the CEO of ExxonMobil, he Just would last literally five minutes. He'd be fired in two seconds because if he, if he was putting up moral questions above profit, He's he'd doing be replaced a bad by job. someone who would do it. Exactly. And under capitalism, which is the system we live in, profit is the only thing that matters. And the only way to check capital's need for profits and their pursuit of profits is labor power. And right now we live in a situation and a time where labor power is weak. You know, when we find how, like the shocking behavior of these corporations, it's because there is no check on them. The government is not going to do it without labor power. And because we have no labor power right now, the government's not going to check on them because they just, the, the power imbalance is too great. And like this, in this clip, he, in the clip that we'll, we'll play in a second, it's it's it he talks about just how easy it is like just how like oh these government people like these lawmakers like no we we they're in our pocket like we own all of them all of them you know like it's we're, we're they're they're easy um producer sean why don't you play the the second clip to to talk when he talks about like how he influences lawmakers yeah. and so the chief knows you that you can go to the chief and say look we, we've got this issue uh, we need Congressman so-and-so to be able yeah. to either introduce this bill. We need him to make a floor statement. We need him to send a letter. Yeah. You name it. We've asked for everything. So who are the fish? I'm Joe Manchin. I approve this act. because I'll The biggest catch, according to Mr. Coy, is the conservative Democrat Senator Joe Manchin, who famously shot President Obama's cap-and-trade climate bill. And I'll take dead aim at the cap-and-trade bill. Joe Manchin, I talk to his office every week. 
Um, he is the kingmaker, uh, and, and he's not shy about sort of staking his claim early yeah. and completely changing the debate. That's it. You know, talks to Senator Joe Manchin's office every week, uh, every fucking week. He's got him on the horn, telling him about like some fucking bill or some like you know regulation that needs to be cut just to maximize Exxon's profit. Um, it's right there. Yeah, it's it's truly amazing. And Joe Manchin, uh, bruh, as if the guy had no credibility to begin with. It's it's just amazing because Joe Manchin is going to continue to show his face in public, but he shouldn't. Like, this guy is a yeah. fraud. He's a shame. Yeah. He's a sham. He does not represent the interests of his constituency. He is just a, poor, a, a corporate shill. He's a pig. That's it. He's a whore. He's a prostitute. That's all he does. And you know the shit that killed me, too? Was the amounts of dollars that were involved for the politicians like 40 G's for your campaign? Yeah. I mean, how can it's you not really lot. be that cheap? <laughs> the thing is, uh, you know what I mean? I, I, you know what it is, is I think at the end of the day, the actual dollar amount is overplayed. Like the, the role of quote unquote money in politics is, is, is a little overblown. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not important mm -hmm. because it is. But if you looked at the dollar amounts, it's like, yeah. 100 G's. It's like, oh, he received over $100,000 uh, in his tenure as senator from this company. And it's like, that's not a lot of money. You know, mm -hmm. like these these elections. That's nothing. It's, that's nothing. It's, yeah. It's true that these elections are more, more and more expensive every day. So $100,000 here, $100,000 there helps. But it's not it's not a lot of money to, in, 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 in with regards to what Exxon, you know, what, what are Exxon's like yearly profits? Like they're in the billions. It's like they don't even notice it. Right. Um, but it's it's something more it's something deeper than that it's that because they they control so much you know they control jobs in people's states they control so much of the ability to affect the local politics of a state whether like you know if they raise gas prices in a state like that that means that senator's in trouble you know like if you know exxon could just single-handedly raise the gas prices in a in a state for like a few months and put a senator in trouble like there's other mechanisms of control that they use and then the other one that's like very underrated is just like just the fact that they're talking to him every week that they're in his ear every week you know mm -hmm. but they're just like yeah this is like they form kind of social bonds there as well you know like it's the access to these people um day in and day out like they end up kind of having and if that ends up having an effect um, and, and when, and when also, you don't have any counterbalance force that, and I think it also beyond the money, like campaign contributions, I think also it's a signal to the right people. Like he's in the club. Yeah. He's good. You know? So yeah. when Joe Manchin's underqualified, ain't, didn't graduate from West Virginia university, gets a big job at a pharmaceutical company. You know why he's in the club. Daddy's yeah. in the club. Daddy plays ball with the right yeah. people. So those connections matter. It's not going to always be some straight up quid pro quo because they're smarter than that. It's so easy to get caught that way. But yeah. like for the guy to just be like, no, Joe mentions he's locked. He knows he needs to be in good with us because we make the weather everywhere. So let's go. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's really quite disgusting. Yeah. And I just... <laughs> Again, what, what I found just so breathtaking from this clip also, you know, I think it's um, it's worth noting that the guy in the clip, if you're listening to it at home, is is a black guy, of which, course. Like, you know, um, because there was a big kind of a brouhaha early on in the Biden administration when there was some push from the left to ban uh, corporate lobbyists from the Biden administration. There was a they call it the K Street ban. You know, and then a bunch of lobbyists uh, fought back saying that that would be racist towards black and brown uh, lobbyists, that it would be, you know, it would deprive the administration of diversity to to ban, <laughs> to, to ban lo uh, black and brown lobbyists from or to ban all lobbyists from from the Biden administration. So, I um, mean, it's just it just goes to show how like a person's identity, uh, like in, in one, like in the individual doesn't matter at all when it comes matter. to this kind of thing. 
It doesn't it, matter. No, like no fucking black guy's gonna get into that job, and because he's black, he's gonna affect change in the black community from his job as a fucking lobbyist for Exxon Mobil. Planet could that possibly be the case, guys? Like, like, how does that make any sense? And it just tells you all the time, like, no, having more black, black, having more black bourgeoisie is not gonna affect change for black people as a whole. No, they don't care when they become black bourgeoisie. The issues that they care about are the issues of the black bourgeoisie. That's it. Like, yo, yeah. fam, I don't get to be a lobbyist no more. Like, that's kind yeah. of it. Like, it, it's it's yeah. the most ridiculous notion that, you know, if only we just got more black people in the corporate boardroom, more black yeah. CEOs, more black yeah. lobbyists, more black overlords, more black Oprahs, more black ditties, more black Jesus. No, those people get in and they operate like everybody else within their class. Nobody ever deviates from the class structure ever. Yeah. Hove didn't become a billionaire and become some great fucking champion of poor black people. He does what he does for himself. He's like, all right, how do I maximize profits? But what's my next investment to make me more money? Yeah. How do I ensure that I stay rich? That's it. That's all he does. It's not to say that individuals around him have not benefited, but it's individuals, not on some mass level, that all the black bourgeoisie are just banding together to lift black people up out of the fucked up nature of capitalist society. It's bullshit. It's ridiculous. And, and you know, this, this point just illustrates that beautifully. Like, this guy is a black dude. His job ain't to be in there doing black shit. It's to do Exxon <laughs> shit. Okay. <laughs> like they didn't yeah. hire him for that. Like how he stays in that job is being effective at carrying out the business of ExxonMobil. This is so, it's just so obvious. And I just love that Joe Manchin is getting raked over the coast. Cause this dude will go on the Sunday shows and talk about bipartisanship. And that's all I care about. It's like, it's bullshit. You, yeah. you have no credibility. Like this dude should resign straight up. Yeah. In yeah. in a like a normal world, it'd be like, bro, I'm I'm not doing my job. I haven't been doing the job. Not that I got yeah. caught on a hot mic saying something about lesbians, because that's not really the job. I'm not doing the job. I'm I'm part of the people who are ensuring that there's less money in that infrastructure bill that will filter out to more people, normal people, more of his constituents in industries that might quote unquote hurt. ExxonMobil, because again, ExxonMobil's interests come before everybody else. You're not doing the job. You got elected by millions of, probably hundreds of thousands of people in West Virginia, whatever the case may be, and you're not representing their interests. You're representing the interests of this small elite people, amount of people on the board, um, the, you know, basically of, of ExxonMobil. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, if we had any sort of healthy political society, there would be like just a, a movement to recall. Right. I mean, recall mentioned like the 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 this idea that the, you know the, the largest oil company in America is just openly bragging about the fact that they have this guy in their pocket and he does whatever they want. They talk to him every week. It's just like you know, but but we but we were so beaten down, and there's so there's such a lack of elite accountability that um, that. You know, he's just going to be like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to keep plowing ahead. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, again, this was a remarkable video uh, for so many reasons. But just just the the brazenness of it all, I think it's like usually like when you see them talk in public, like they're saying the same things, but they just couch it in different terms. And this one, when he thought when he's talking in private, he's just like, yeah, you know, like this is just this is just, you know, what we do. This is what we do. We just own these politicians and we support policies that we know are poisoned so like uh producer Sean, maybe if you play the 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 final clip uh when he talks about a carbon tax you know nobody is going to to propose a tax on all americans um and 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 and, and the cynical side of me says yeah we kind of know that um but it gives us a talking point that we can say well what is exxon mobile for well, we're for a carbon tax and why because they're confident it'll never happen in America. No, it's not. It's not going to. Carbon tax isn't going to happen. And 
the bottom line is it's going to take political courage, mm. political will in order to get something done. And that doesn't exist in politics. It just doesn't. <laughs> There you go. He said it. He's like, look, we're going to come out. We're going to come out in order to make us look as reasonable as a reasonable corporation. We're going to come out and say, yo, we back a carbon tax, which he's like, no politician would ever propose that because that's a tax on all Americans. So because there's no actual um, courage in government. There's no courage in politics. Nobody would ever, because they can't come out and defend attacks on all Americans. They know they'll get killed for it. So we come out and we back something that makes us sound reasonable that we know nobody would ever actually seriously propose. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about Butcher Box. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. And that's the game. Yeah. That's the game. Yeah, I mean... In- in in France, they tried to pass a, a gas tax to find it, to fund you know climate change efforts. But that you know what it is, it's a regressive tax on the working poor, right? Like if you do a flat gas tax, you know it hits poorer people harder than it hits rich people. You know that's just that's just basic math. You know, so there was this huge revolt in France, <laughs> you know, like against Macron, who passed the, you know, it's called the Yellow Vest Movement. You've probably seen it in the news. It was because of this. So like politicians around the world see this and they realize like, we can't, we, we can't do that. You know, the only way you could do something is if you tax the rich, the people who have the most money, but you can't do that either. But so what they're just like, no, no, just pass a tax on all Americans. See what happens. We support that. That'll fix climate. <laughs> and it was crazy. Like later on, he goes on to talk about like the Biden infrastructure bill, which, you know, in the, in the in the early days of the Biden administration, you know, which six months ago, which seems like forever ago, when it seemed like, oh, maybe they're going to try, maybe they're going to try something big, maybe they're going to try something, you know, more dramatic than than what Obama did. Um, and they were talking about maybe doing some very serious climate change uh, related policies within the big infrastructure bill, which was going to pass um, through budget reconciliation. So it didn't need to, uh, you know, the 60 votes uh, that you need to pass a normal bill. Um, well, Exxon was like, no, 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 you can't do that. We're, we're not going to let you do that. You, you and, do and by the way, Nando, why? Because they're going to be putting money into stuff like wind energy, into ensuring that you know, having an electric car is more convenient for you. It's like, basically, they're going to put money in stuff that takes money out of the pockets of ExxonMobil and nobody else. And nobody else. And so all of a sudden, after Biden has his bipartisan powwow, everything that would affect the bottom line of ExxonMobil is mysteriously gone and decoupled from it. The smart thing to do is to couple infrastructure, which everybody agrees needs to happen, rebuilding roads, bridges, tunnels, the fucking internet grid, all of that stuff. Everybody agrees that that needs to happen. They're like, no, 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 decouple that. 
And we yeah. make it sound we make it sound reasonable because we're like that ain't got nothing to do with infrastructure. When yes, it does. It's about making a new infrastructure. <laughs> it's about changing the one that we do. Which, by the way, we put a bunch of people to work. We do all these amazing things. It's like no, 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 don't do that. Why would you do that? You gonna fuck up yeah. our business? It's just so yeah. obvious and naked. And then you know what I liked about the pieces? They show cinema and mansion marching behind Biden afterwards to announce that new $800 billion bill. And they're just like, yeah, it's great, isn't it? We got all the Republicans on board. And it's bullshit. Because again, you know, I want the listeners to understand that whenever we talk about bipartisanship, we're never talking about Republican and Democratic voters. <laughs> we're never no. saying like no like a majority this is bipartisan the majority of the country no matter what their party affiliation absolutely fucks with this the american people are dead this is bipartisan no they're talking about joe manchin and mitt romney shook hands on something as if those as if that's an accomplishment as if those guys aren't ideologically in lock step with one another that's not yeah. some special thing because one has a d and one has an r joe manchin and mint romney are the same fucking guy they're, they're literally this functionally in our congress they're the same exact fucking dude and yet the fucking yeah. mainstream media will pretend that those dudes shaking their hands on something means anything or it means something bigger than 75% of Americans agreeing with Medicare for all is something ridiculous like that. It's insanity. No matter their yeah. party affiliation, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, again, when, when you get to stare into the skeletal eyes of capital with the mask off, with the nice mask off, you know, co corporations like to put a nice mask on. They have very nice little commercials and jingles and very cool mm -hmm. corporate branding and things like that. Mm -hmm. But when you get to see the mask off and just see the, <laughs> the evil face, <laughs> just reminds of you of that, like, what, what really makes the world go wrong. But yeah, um, I encourage everyone to check out the video of Keith McCoy, the lobbyist, the lobbyist for ExxonMobil, just talking about how he and ExxonMobil control uh, the government, essentially. All right, so we move on to what we talked about at the top of the show. New York Times, I don't know what that was, an expose? Uh, fucking gossip column, I don't know, whatever. They talked about Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor having problems at the job over basically job opportunities within the company at ESPN. Full disclosure, um, Rachel Nichols is not my best friend or my close homie, but I do know her personally uh, or professionally. Uh, she's been nothing but courteous to me. Whatever, take that for whatever you want to call it, right? Like she's been nothing but a generous OG media person to me personally. So you could take what I'm about to say with you is with a grain of salt. But I will say this, and you can check my fucking record. You ain't never heard me talking about getting motherfuckers fired for something said in a private conversation that may or may not have been woke enough for a lot of the people out there. I'll give you a beautiful, quick example. Myers Leonard dropping that damn K-word during the video game. <laughs> um, I went on my old show with David Aldridge, Hoops to Jason. You can look it up. And I said, this dude should not be kicked out of the league for this. This is exactly what a union exists for. He fucked up. He should be reprimanded. This should not terminate his ability to play in the league. Now, Myers Leonard kind of been stinking up the joint for a few years now, was kind of on his way out the league. So this might have helped it. But this in and of itself should not get somebody fired. And that was Myers Leonard just straight up calling a, a dude on the internet a slur. Rachel basically insinuated that, like, this shit that's in my contract that was already promised to me should not be taken away from me because ESPN has historically had a horrible record on diversity and inclusion. And so now they're going to take my shit from me, which I, I just don't understand how anybody doesn't get that specifically within the private context of a convo where somebody's just being candid about like, I don't want to lose my shit for any reason, even if it's for something that is ESPN fake being altruistic, it's regular. But anyway, the pitchforks were out, whatever, whatever. All I'm saying on this is this. We got to have an ideological coherence. We got to stick to our guns. Whether Rachel was white or Chinese or whatever the case may be, 
This isn't an opportunity for somebody to get fired, lose their job, lose their standing within the profession because they said they didn't want to lose their opportunities to a black woman just because she's black. Of the, like, I, I just, I don't know, Nando. I just don't, I, I'm just like, okay, so if a black woman was like, yo, I don't want to lose opportunities to a trans person, should she get fucked over for that? Like, what are we doing when we decide who is in the oppression bucket and who's not? And I can already <laughs> hear people saying, well, Rachel's white and well, Rachel's married to Mike Nichols' son and well, Rachel did Like, y'all trying to tell me Rachel didn't bust her ass to get what she got? Y'all saying, like, <laughs> y'all saying Rachel didn't pay dues? Like, this woman is at work. At ESPN, you know, sports media, like historically super male dominated. Like you know she's just what I mean? had a leg like, up her yeah, whole time, yeah. her whole career when she started at the post and she's doing this and she's in Florida. Like this lady put in a lot of work to get where she's at. Uh, I'm sorry. The culture of ESPN is such that people fight tooth and nail for their positions. Black, white, green or indifferent. It doesn't matter. That's the culture of the company. That's the culture of our system. As you can read from the New York Times thing, Rachel, Rachel don't have the power or ability to fire or hire Maria Taylor. She's a worker. Yes, she's yeah. not as weak as a PA within the company. She has a bigger voice than a production assistant or some random line producer or whatever the case may be. Yes, she is more powerful than that random worker. But she's a worker. She gets checks. Yeah. She don't sign them. She don't yeah. sign people checks at that company. She gets the checks. You know, and people, I know it's hard for you to understand. Well, she's relatively rich. Cool. She's just another worker in that system. She's working underneath that system. Obviously, Maria Taylor deserves every opportunity that's been thrown at her. But this idea that Rachel should just feel like altruistic and be like, yo, everybody, every black woman, come take every job I've ever worked for in this company. Yeah. That's not how this system works. What the fuck, bro? When I started seeing the headlines that Rachel Nichols was being removed from NBA Finals coverage or whatever for comments that she made, I was like, oh, I wonder, like, you know, I wonder what she said. It must be, must be, sounds bad, you know? <laughs> and I looked up and then I was like, I looked up what she actually said and I was like, this is such, we like, this is such like an understandable kind of per private she was venting the moment. Company. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and it's not like she tweeted it or, you know, was in a public, you know, I still wouldn't want her to be fired, by the way, if she, publicly tweeted it but like you know she wasn't speaking publicly she was venting in a private moment and was recorded privately surreptitiously like without her knowledge um i just want to i want to ask you was and everyone in the audience uh listening what's the worst thing you've ever said in private texted <laughs> or said in private what's the think about it in your head what's the worst thing you have ever said and then imagine there's a camera there that you didn't know about. And then imagine that was broadcast to the whole world. I'll tell you something. Just don't when you're it. venting to your girlfriend or, you know, Listen. a family member or your best friend about like some bullshit that happened at work or some bullshit that happened somewhere. Mm -hmm. And you say something that, you know, is not great. What's the worst thing you've ever said? You know, just be honest with yourself. Think about that. And then imagine that that was being recorded and that that was broadcast. And do you want to live your life in a, in a way that is means that every single moment that you live your life, you have to act as if it were being broadcast, that you can't have a moment where you let your hair down a little bit, where you just vent your frustrations, you know, like it's where and it's, that's, that's what I, that's what I find. So, so infuriating about this is how no one can imagine this happening to them because everyone thinks that they're they themselves are perfect and moral human beings and that they don't ever they never do anything wrong but think about the worst thing you've ever said be honest with yourself and then imagine that, that was broadcast to millions of people around the country um, and whether you would want to be held to that standard or not because what rachel's nichols said was a completely understandable reaction to this is controversial it's not it shouldn't be controversial you know like it's <laughs> and honestly, she makes the point. She was like, listen, I mean, fucking, you think ESPN doesn't have a fucking sexism problem and I had to fucking deal with that my whole career? I mean, she's been around forever, right? Rachel Nichols. Yeah. I mean, how long has she been around ESPN? I mean, I think I remember her from like, it's she's been, been there for 20 minute. years. Yeah, at least, yeah. man. I would say it's close to that. Yeah. Because she left. Remember, she did the CNN thing and she did that. Right, she did right. That, the whole thing. 
Right. And sports media, man, is a very male dot. Like, you know, anyone, any woman who has like managed to 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 make it in sports media has, you know, has dealt with some shit, you know. Right, absolutely. But, but, but this is the thing, though. This is the thing. This is what people do in that environment. That's why, like, I'm like, guys, y'all gotta stop decentering identity. This is what anybody in her position would do, would feel if they felt like their position was under attack. I don't care if you was a black man, woman, white man, what Asian, anybody in this environment, in this culture, in under this system is going to react the same way because that's where the incentives lie. So whatever. Um, and again, I want to present a counterfactual to people. And I want people to be honest with themselves. If it wasn't Maria Taylor, if it was Sage Steele, who, let's face it, has done things that are bordering on rampant Uncle Tomism in public behind her cons conservatism and biraciality and all of that shit. If she were in the place of Maria Taylor, I'm telling y'all, nobody would be kicking this, oh, they bringing down a black woman type of whatever. And the reason why I bring it up is like, we can't be picking and choosing. That's where shit gets dangerous. You got to pick an ideology and stick to it, even when it's difficult to do because of the sort of incentives that have arisen out of woke culture. Maria Taylor's fire. There's no two ways about it. But the idea that Rachel don't want to give up her spot voluntarily to her, that's not... No. <laughs> That's what is she just, supposed to do? You know, like, what is she that, supposed to think? Like, you know what? This is classic you know what? hating the player and not the game. This is classic yeah. case of that. So the reason yeah. why I bring up the Sage Steele point is because, like, bruh, nobody would be acting like this. And Sage Steele is a black woman. Nobody would be acting like this. So, like, we can't do the pick and choose. That's where it gets nasty, dangerous, inconsistent, hypocritical. I'm sorry. This is where we fail when we do the sort of oppression olympics and yo such and yeah. such don't deserve the benefit of the doubt because she's a such of of a certain demographic group it's ridiculous and like people could say what they want but i'm just like yo whether uh who the fuck filmed her that's what i want to know like what kind of fucking snitch did that sick. and then leaked it to the fucking new york times or whoever sick. you know sick you know it's that's sick. a you know, like that is that that's just insane to like settle some petty fucking office beef. Like it has no effect on anyone's life, you know, outside of the people involved. But like it doesn't it doesn't have an effect on my life or anyone else's life. It's not like a it's not a political question. It's not a uh you know, it's not a matter of 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 public interest. You know what I mean? It's just pure fucking awesome uh, office way, gossip. If we're being real too, um you know, this is a failing of management because, again, if Rachel was all-knowing, all-powerful, it would just be like, no, you don't get to do this. I'm doing it. They superseded her contract and a promise right. that was made and kept it pushing, right? Uh, that's just what happened. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> and then it's like, so if Rachel's not a boss... She doesn't have the power to squash Maria Taylor or whatever. And in fact, management just didn't have the balls to come up to her and be like, yo, this is what we're doing. And this is why I know there was a promise. So sit both of them down and be like, this is how we're handling it. They didn't do it. Typical management yeah. culture. Pass the buck and let it just fester and let it just be what it is. It's just like, yo, like. It's just so strange. The impulses are just so strange to me. And I see people, I, just I, see, I got it. a couple of tweets where they were like, oh, cancel coaches just about checks and balances. Do you know what checks and balances mean? You're checking power. You're yeah. balancing it out. <laughs> like yeah. If you think Rachel is the most all-knowing, all-powerful within the structures of ESPN or Disney, you're a fucking yeah. idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, because she's dumb. not making the decision. She she's not making. It's not her decision, you know. Like <laughs> she's supposed to like be happy that she fucking lost her gig, you know. Like she just supposed to like take it 
I don't know. Um, she's not allowed to vent about the fact that she lost her her gig that was promised her that was in her contract that she fought for. You know, like I'm not. I have no idea if Rachel Nichols is a better sideline reporter or whatever than than Maria Taylor. It doesn't, like, it doesn't really matter to me. I just understand that if you lose that gig after you had it, um, that you're not going to be like happy about it. Um, that you're gonna that you're gonna want to vent about it. It's not that it's not like she it was her decision or that she has any ability to influence that decision. She's just complaining. Um, and it was, so like, what are we, what are we actually angry about? You know, like when people, when people say like something like, you know, oh, cancel culture is just checks and balances. Like, listen, <laughs> eventually it's going to come for you, baby. You know, <laughs> um, the only thing that, uh, checks the actual power is, is, is labor power unions. And if we don't, if we don't see that, and if we're just out here fucking, you know, <laughs> canceling each other. Like we're doing their job for them, you know, like we're doing the boss's job for them. They don't give a fuck. Like they don't really give a fuck at all. You know, they're happy to see us fucking eat each other up. Like it's just, it's crazy to me. And just be clear y'all. And cause we about to wrap up, but just to be absolutely fucking clear, like establishing a culture of this cancel culture, reactionary, crazy ass shit that people want to establish. Um, y'all know who's gonna feel it first, right? It's the most marginalized people. It's not gonna oh, be yeah, yeah, yeah. I think no. it is. Whenever y'all establish these punitive, y'all want to establish these punitive laws, it's no different than when black people got behind the drug fucking laws. Black people was behind a lot of that shit. They were like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We need the mandatory minimums, we need X, Y, and Z. We need that. Like, we know who the brunt of that, who's going to take the brunt of that. Whenever we establish like punitive laws and norms and all of that, the people who get crushed by it the most yeah. are the most disadvantaged. So whatever, man. Y'all could take my word for it. Call me. I'm caping for the white woman. I'm a corporate <laughs> You know, I'm not protecting <laughs> black women and all of this other dumb shit that y'all on. Um, you could say whatever you want, but like at least my fucking... My ideology on this stuff is consistent. Y'all could go back and check the records. I don't fire people, bro. That's what y'all do. Yeah. I, I find it's just so the the cognitive dissonance between the sort of recognition, recognition that the structures of power, the criminal justice system specifically, is um, racially biased and you know disproportionately hurts black and brown people. That the criminal justice system constituted in the United States is uh, you know structured in a way that disproportionately affects black and brown people. And then when stuff like this happens, they just want they want like more punitive, like more punitive actions towards people who you know say the wrong thing or who make an off color joke or whatever you know like as if like that's not an extension of of all of that shit you yeah. know like that, as if that's not gonna as if the first people that are not going to be affected are not like working class people who don't have the the sort of polished uh language and the and the ability to sort of say the right buzzwords in the right moment o- over the right controversy you know who think the right things all that shit you know basically people who went to college and got like indoctrinated in the way that you're supposed to speak um in in elite circles um like if you don't have that which, by the way, the vast majority of, of, of working class people, black, brown, white, or what, or, or whatever, don't have that. You know that that's just an instrument to harm those people. Like it's just another tw- it's just another fucking instrument, another weapon um, in the arsenal to harm those people. It's like, oh my god, can you believe what he said? Can you believe what Johnny, the, the custodian, said to me when I walked by him? You know, son. like son, <laughs> son. But whatever, man. Keep going with it. Keep going with it, y'all. Keep going with it. Um, <laughs> that's our show for today. Uh, of course, make sure you subscribe to all of the Count the Dings offerings, the Friday Mailbag, Cinephobe, Pack Your Knives, the OG Black Opinions Matter show. Make sure you're checking that out, growing up the same, the whole kit and caboodle. Nando, man, you got a new you got a new thing that you're working on, brother, man. Tell the people about that. Well, it's already done. But tell the people yeah. about this project, please. Yeah, man, I've been working on it for about a year. I'm a producer on it, so I'm not I'm not hosting on it. But um, it's a podcast called Transportista. Transportista. Go look it up on iTunes. Subscribe or on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's a fucking crazy story, man. It's this guy who 
um, basically ran uh, a lot of the transportation logistics for uh, the drug cartels um, in Mexico. He also worked in Venezuela, Colombia, uh, the Dominican Republic for 30 years. This guy was like an expert at moving drugs through the air um, and getting them from uh, Latin America into the United States. He's like a master of disguise. He, you know, he had like several different identities. Um, he was also a pilot, you know, who could fly uh, all kinds of planes and bribe, you know, local airport officials, bribe DEA agents, you know, uh, everything that's necessary for the free flow of drugs mm. from Latin America into the United States. Not the and cops being is, bribed. No, the cops don't no, have a no, big crime. They don't do that. Are you yeah. shitting me? <laughs> and this guys. guy, yeah, and this guy is sitting in a federal prison in North Carolina, and he spoke to us using a, a a smuggled cell phone that he got in to the prison via a drone. He claims, um, and was speaking to us using voice notes on WhatsApp. You know, sending us little voice notes on WhatsApp. So the podcast is built using his voice notes and and, and narration and things like that. Um, so it basically tells his his story of how he got into the drug trade and how he worked within the drug trade. And how you know how how easy it was to uh, bribe local officials, politicians, uh, like I said, DEA agents, and uh, and how he was able to do it for thirty years, moving thousands and thousands of kilos of mostly cocaine uh, from Latin America into the United States. Um, pretty remarkable story. Um, I think it's a really cool podcast. It's it's being released simultaneously in both English and Spanish. Um, you know, different episodes, like an English episode and a Spanish episode. Um, and uh, yeah, check it out, Transportista. You know, if you're a fan of Woke Bros, you know, and you want to support, subscribe. Uh, yes, please. And, you know, rate and all that shit. Subscribe really right now. Yeah. Just press pause on this, search in your search inbox, yeah. and subscribe to that joint because it's sure to be fantastico i think the only fucking joint that i ever listened to yours nando you gotta put me onto some of your other shit was the uh maradona joint which was oh, yeah, fantastic which was incredible yeah. so yeah, yeah that's our no, show I did for a whole okay yeah, yeah. no i just did a whole i did a whole world cup podcast back in 2018 you should check out called we came to win that's only on spotify these days because spotify you know they you know uh, you know why <laughs> easy killer that's 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 where the bread get buttered boy that's right play around that's right. with the master now uh all right well that's our show for this week we'll see you guys next week of course uh of course yeah just check us out everywhere fernando i'm out later